0: Let us pray. O Lord, may our mere human words be inspired by your written word and always point to the living word, who is your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, um, greetings from the north. <laughs> and uh, it's always so sunny and warm down here. Um, and as I was joking earlier, I, I missed the, I expect palm trees, but um, but I think, yeah, not yet. And actually, we, we, um, we should actually, it seems I've been living in this country for not quite 20 years yet, and yet it may be the first occasion where I think, we need to pray for rain. <laughs> I said that to a teacher on Friday, and he said, wait till after the weekend, please but it is good to be here, and it is good to share with each other. And it is also a bit curious that though we are in the Easter season, five weeks into it, we now are looking back at a story from the 13th chapter of John's Gospel before he went to the cross And it's a bit curious, but I guess, well, it's always good still to look back, even if we are looking forward and filled with joy at Jesus' resurrection. Because looking back can often help us appreciate even more what has happened and what God has given us. I'm reminded actually of, um, well, I haven't had the opportunity, maybe the rest of us will at some point to also become astronauts, Um, but I'm just reminded of how the astronauts, at least the American ones, who went into space the first time, were so blown away by the beauty of Earth when they looked back on it. They thought it was such a jewel And they gave thanks. And one astronaut, the the first, at least American anyway, who circled the globe, said, to look out of this kind of creation and not believe in God seems impossible to me. It strengthens my faith. So he'd gotten a new perspective on God's creation and on God. And as we look post-Easter back at what Jesus did for us so that Easter could happen and so that we could have new life in him for God, we treasure that. I was also reminded of another astronaut who um, was the second one um, after to set foot on the moon. And he actually read through Psalm 8 as he was returning from the moon to earth. When I consider the heavens and the work of your hands, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what are humans that you are mindful of them? Well, thank the Lord that the Lord is mindful of us, even if we are not always sufficiently mindful of the Lord. We need new perspectives constantly. The whole creation, which the astronauts got to see from a slightly different angle, we're becoming more and more aware of our need to be better stewards for it. It is God's gift we are to take care of it. But as we also look forward to the wonderful vision that we have in Revelation today, we see what God has in store for us. That actually, heaven and earth, however we see them, will be united as one. Jesus came, was born among us in human flesh so that God would be with us, Emmanuel. But this vision that we see at the end in Revelation, after all of the torment and hellish things that happen, heaven and earth are one, and God is Emmanuel for all. It's extraordinary. Jesus reminded us that we need to pray in the prayer he taught us. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that, we pray for them to become one again, as John's vision shows us. The question is, are we going to live it as God wants us to so that heaven will become closer? I sure hope so, because Jesus also looked at people around him and said, the kingdom of God is already within you. Live it. And so when we visit that rather dreary moment in John 13, just after one of his friends had deserted him and was going away to betray him. Jesus, despite what he knows is about to happen and his friends don't, he actually sees God's glory in this. And, well, I suppose in retrospect, we can also perhaps see a bit of it too, but can we also as he did in the difficulty, see God's glory. He saw God's glory as he was about to be killed because he wanted to give himself for us. It's very different understanding, Jesus' understanding of glory than the glory that we kind of get used to here on earth. Sadly, a lot of the glory that people get here on Earth is often at other people's expense. It's all about competition. I'm very sorry, Eindhoven, about the Eredivisie. (laughs) But that's just a playful example. And we can also look, actually interestingly enough, too, at the Eurovision Song Contest, if you can cope with it. I don't know what the Lord was doing last night, but last night when the, the Netherlands singer first came on, we had a power outage. <laughs> and we went into the deep. <laughs> but we were lifted out. And fortunately, well, Ukraine did win this extraordinarily. And I think Despite the frivolity of that competition held in Italy this year, we can all appreciate that Ukraine had that victory and that Europe was united in support and sympathy for them, even though the war rages on and we keep them in prayer. So maybe maybe some of these experiences of earthly glory can point us to God's glory after all. But we do know, sadly, that earthly glory, uh, I guess the artist Andy Warhol reminded us that it only lasts for a short time, maybe 15 minutes, if you're lucky. But Christ's glory and what he wants, not just for himself, but for all of us, is forever. He wants us in His presence in all eternity. To defeat death and death's ways. Long zalvela. John wrote when he and that was Judas had gone out. Jesus says now. Through this, he was implying, the Son of Man has been glorified. God has been glorified in him. And then he speaks to his friends and he calls them little children. This was often used by teachers. He wanted to identify with them and sympathize with what they were about to experience of loss. And he said, I'm only with you a little bit longer. You will look for me. And as I said, yeah, where I'm going, you can't come, at least not this particular thing. But he wants to invite us all. It's so strange that Jesus shows us a different kind of glory that's God's glory, that is very different from the earthly kinds that we see. He's going to be betrayed, arrested. He's going to be misjudged. He's going to be whipped. And he's going to be executed and laid in a tomb. We can often wonder, how on, this, on earth is this glory? Well, it isn't on earth's glory, it's glory for God. Because Jesus, if you look back and read the beauties of the Old Testament, very much identified with Isaiah's understanding of the suffering servant. Go ahead and read Isaiah from chapters 42 all the way to 53 at least. I remember an Old Testament professor said, hmm, so wonder why we need the New Testament anyway. But fortunately, we do have it as a record, an inspiration for us as a reminder of the word made flesh. But Jesus had glorified God his entire life, even as people were mocking and ignoring him. He was looking after the wounded. He was looking after the desperately needy. He was feeding the spiritually hungry people. Jesus was raising people to life throughout his life, before his death, and he continues to do that. But before he went to the cross, and perhaps the key point in that passage today for us, Jesus says to his friends, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so must you love one another. Now he called this a new commandment and yet he'd already spoken along these lines. He'd summarized the entirety of the Jewish law, some 693 laws together and said, you know, the the most important one is the Shema, love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Love the Lord your God but also he added Leviticus 19 verse 18 to it and love your neighbor as yourself. So love summarizes all that God is teaching us as humans. But Jesus adds a perspective to this. He says, a new commandment I give you is to love one another. Okay, you already heard that, but love one another as I have loved you. So it's not just what, It's how, how do we love? How do we love God? How do we love one another? We are to do so as Jesus did. And just before this passage, the great teacher had kneeled down at the feet of his disciples to clean them. And they were shocked. How could you do this? You're not worthy of that, but he, The Son of God was willing to go lower than we are to lift us up and to cleanse us so that we would repent and be baptized not just in water, but with the Spirit to change our lives forever. Jesus showed us how he loves in humility, in caring. And if we do this as he did, everyone, he says, will know that you are my disciples. And that, too, is one of the greatest gifts ever that we have to share. If we love one another as Jesus loved us, everybody will see that. We saw the effect of it in the Acts of the Apostles in the first chapters where people were stunned. My goodness, these people like each other. They care for each other. They're not just living in competition. They're actually sharing things. And they worship together. They follow their Lord's teaching. And they witness. My goodness! And thousands join them and continue to do so. It is one of our greatest gifts to love one another as Jesus loved us and not just the ones we know, but all others so that they too will experience God's love and become one with us as Jesus wants. He wants us all to worship together in heaven with him. So God's love is about what we give to each other and how we forgive each other, and how we feel for and what we do for one another. God's love for humanity makes humanity more humane. God, through his love, is recreating us. I'm often reminded, you know, God didn't stop creating after day six. He's recreating constantly, trying to change us so that we will live more in him and that his love will live on this planet he so loves so that it will be one with him in heaven. And no one is to be left out. This is what Peter reminds his friends in Jerusalem, which was a bit of a contentious place despite its title meaning the place of peace, still got problems. And yet, Peter said, look, I had this wonderful vision that, you know, all these things that we're calling unclean, the Lord has made them, and the Lord wants us and all peoples to be blessed by him. So let us welcome the Gentiles not just the people who are from our religious family, but let us welcome all. And so Peter served that, and he and his friends took the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we still enjoy the good news today because of him. And we can look. We can look just like the heavenly voice said to John in that vision at the end of Revelation chapter 21. Look, this is what's going to happen. You don't have to be an astronaut to see this, that God's dwelling place is to be among the people and he will dwell with them. Yes, Emmanuel, the covenant promise will be fulfilled and they will be his people and he will be their God, and he will also wipe away all tears and mourning. There will be no more death, no more crying, no more pain. How could we not want that? And how could we not want that to happen now? We keep praying for this to come. Jesus paid the ultimate price so that we could have the water of life without cost to ourselves. Well, as I've said before, we can't ever pay the Lord back, but we can pay it forward and pray for others and care for them, to live God's love and to seek humbly his glory so that we lift others up to him. Jesus invites us to live his love for the world. In difficult times, we have something to look forward to at all times. A new and better way. Our loving servant king invites us to follow his footsteps to the place that will be blessed beyond all dreams. Amen.